Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Rosemary with you again this evening, thanking God for bringing us together for the study of his word. We will begin with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us today, for teaching us and meeting us, O Lord, at our point of need. Father, we thank you for open hearts and minds to hear your word and to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us, teach, to teach us your purposes, to teach us your truth and your wisdom. And Lord, we thank you for the grace that you deposit in us, O oh God, to help us to be doers of the word, that we may be changed, that we may be blessed by your word, O oh God, and become a blessing unto others. Lord, we praise you. We worship you for all that you have done and continue to do in our lives that your name may, may be glorified in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight our study is entitled Seeing Jesus. Amen. Seeing Jesus. Um, it is one thing uh, to be uh, doctrinally familiar with uh, the message of the cross with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ uh, to accept his gift of salvation by faith. Amen. It's one thing to know these things, amen, to be familiar intellectually with them. But it's another thing um, to actually know him, amen. Um, for Moses, for example, the experience that he had at this place called Horeb um, and the unfolding events afterwards um, compelled him not only to serve God, but also to be intimately knowledgeable of the Most High God. Amen. And um, in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 13, it was there uh, in the cleft of a rock near Horeb, uh, where Moses prayed this prayer, um, Exodus 33, actually verses 13 and 14. And it reads, if I have found favor in your sight, let me know your ways that I may know you. Amen. And in verse 13, we see that the Lord uh, in turn answered Moses and promised this. In verse 14, the Lord says, my presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. Amen. So whatever our need is today, whether it is physical, it is emotional, uh, mental, uh, social, financial, amen, our solution is found in a greater revelation of Jesus. Amen. Uh, it is in seeing Jesus. When, when he is unveiled in all his magnificence, what happens is that the darkness flees. Amen. Because the light is shining so brightly. And in such a place, it is where the poor will prosper, where the weak will be made strong, 
and the sick will be healed. Amen. Uh, in, if we were to turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 4 and verse 18, we see Jesus' declaration there, amen, about himself. And this is what he says in Luke 4, 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. So Jesus was anointed to preach the good news to us. So whenever we hear, that is with listening ears, with ears that are truly paying attention as we studied in our last two Bible studies, amen? Whenever we pay attention to Jesus preached, we pay attention to the good news, amen? Well, this good news that we are paying attention to will be proclaimed over our life. It will be proclaimed over different areas of our life, over our finances, over our marriage and family, uh, over our entire household, and we will be blessed. Amen. This is what God has for us. Amen. This is the inheritance that we, he has for us. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Amen. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit is at work in us. Amen. To bring to pass this um, exceeding uh, abundantly, uh, abundant blessings that God has already programmed for us. Amen. However, we must be about paying attention to him and saying focus until we see him. Um, let me go over a passage here that will demonstrate what I'm speaking about. And we are going to be reading, it's a quite a long passage from the book of Luke chapter 24. And we're going to read from verse 13 all the way to verse 33. Amen. And this passage is about uh, Jesus when he rose from the dead. And we will see in that passage how he brought comfort to two disciples who were walking back from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. And uh, the passage, the, the verses we're about to read uh, speaks about when Jesus drew, uh, came near them, he drew near to them and he walked with them as they were feeling sad, they were feeling discouraged, and they were speaking about the events that had transpired in the last three days, four days. So let's read that passage, Luke 24, starting with verse 13. And behold, two of them, that is disciples, they went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlong. Uh, by the way, that means about, if I, if I understand the, um, how they, they describe this word, the furlong, the equivalency in miles, it's about seven miles. And so 
Um, I continue reading in verse 14. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Verse 18, And the one of them whose name was Cleopas answering said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and has not known the things which are come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And he said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished as they, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Verse 24, and certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of hearts to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, I love that passage of scripture. And um, in uh, thinking about it, um, meditating on it, um, the Lord just keeps revealing more and more to me about it. And um, I would like to take some time to go to dissect that passage so that we can um, understand exactly what I mean when, we, when, when I say that uh, Jesus, God, God's plan for us is to know Jesus, to know him intimately, to see him. Hallelujah. But how are we going to see him? Well, let, let's look at here. In verse 16 um, of that passage, uh, we are told here that the disciples' eyes were restrained. In other words, they were limited 
the word that they use in the King James is he was holding, amen. Uh, and so that they could not, they did not recognize Jesus in his resurrected form. Uh, and then we see that Jesus asked them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and you are sad? So the disciples then began to explain to him the events that had happened and how he, that is Jesus, was condemned to die and was crucified. Uh, and from the way they spoke, we could tell that uh, the disciples did not believe that Jesus would be resurrected. Amen. To them, uh, all hope was gone. Uh, so that day they were sad and they were hopeless. And um, as we keep reading, we see in verse 21, uh, what they said, they actually told Jesus that they were hoping or trusting that it was Jesus who was going to redeem Israel. And they were astonished in verse 22 when certain women of their company had gone to the tomb and came back telling them that they could not find Jesus's body. So we see the words that they are using, you know, that they are hoping or trusting that Jesus would be redeeming Israel, you know, in a physical sense, you know, the king that they had been waiting for to come and save them from the Romans. And, um, and then the women came back with a report that the Jesus was not in the tomb. And what was their reaction? They were astonished. Amen. So we see that when they were through speaking like this, that Jesus at this point steps in and he says to them in verse 25, all fools and slow of heart to believe that all that the prophets have spoken. Amen. So Jesus calls them fools and slow of heart. Amen. And we, I think we would all agree that this is strong language. However, I think that, you know, many of us would also agree that uh, what Jesus said is not only about these disciples then, but can also be applied to the church today. Amen. Um, and what I mean by that is, firstly, that um, many Christians and uh, you know, too many are foolish that is suffering from ignorance and from a lack of knowledge and of revelation from the word of God. And secondly, that um, even when we do have uh, knowledge of the word, that many of us are slow of heart to believe. Amen. And this is what Jesus told them. So um, notice that the disciples were sad when Jesus was not with them. However, when he joined them, um, they, they still did not know him, although he was with them. Why? Because their eyes were not open um, to, to him uh, being in, in that resurrected form. And um, it took their eyes being open and being no longer restrained. Amen. And speaking here about our spiritual eyes, all right, and not just the physical eyes, but our spiritual eyes. And this is why we find the Apostle Paul praying such prayers in, um, in the book of uh, Ephesians. In um, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, Paul is praying for that church. And in verse 17, he says that he's praying that 
Um, actually, let me go ahead and read that passage. I will read, should be all the way through the end of the chapter, but for lack of time, we will stop at verse 19. So Ephesians 1 verses 17 through 19, and this is Paul praying, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards world who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Amen. Now, uh, Paul is praying that this church, in other words, they are Christians, they are believers, but yet he's praying that the eyes of their understanding may be enlightened. Amen. That God would give them a spirit of wisdom and a revelation in the knowledge of him. So these are Christians already but they need more revelation. They need more wisdom. They need more enlightenment. And um, they need to know the hope of the calling of God in their lives. So there are a number of things that, you know, we need to know uh, about God, about, you know, to see him for, you know, as God, and especially God in our life, to see how he's directing us, to hear from him. Hallelujah. And, um, you know, many Christians don't know how um, the the eyes of their understanding can be open in such a way where they can be in constant communication with the Lord. Well, you see, the Lord has given us, Jesus sent us his Holy Spirit, you know, uh, who is dwelling in us. And Jesus says that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth and he would lead us into all truth. Amen. And when we take God at his word, amen, when we pay attention to the word, when we behold the word, we meditate on it, we study it, we pray with the word, amen, and we obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will reveal Jesus to us. He will show us, in other words, God's perfect will, God's perfect ways. And if we are to look at this passage of scripture in Luke 24, one question that, uh, you know, we can ask is, so their eyes were uh, restrained, amen, but at one point they they came to a place toward the end of the passage that we read, verse 33, where now they could see. So something happened. And what exactly happened to them? Well, even before answering that question, I think that we can see, uh, if I can say, you know, a lesson that we can draw from that passage is that whenever we talk, um, we commune, uh, we reason without uh, the word of God, without the Lord in the picture, what happens is that we end up drawing conclusions that are negative, uh, that lead us into a path of fear, of sadness and sorrow. And this is what had happened to the disciples. Um, The words that Jesus had previously taught them before his death were not factored into their reasoning at this time. 
And because of that, we can see that uh, the outcome was negative. They were walking around hopeless, sad, if I can use the word depressed, amen, um, having lost all hope for the future and not knowing what to do with themselves. So um, Jesus um, said certain things to them during this encounter on the road to Emmaus. And um, that, that question that he asked them, he says, what manner of communications is this that has left you sorrowful? So the, the communication that we entertain is very important. Amen. Like as we were saying in our last two Bible studies, there are many voices, the Bible tells us, you know, in this world, but we have to decide what voice we are going to focus on. Are we going to learn to focus on the word of God, on God's promises? Amen. On the word who is Jesus? Hallelujah. Or are we going to allow the enemy, uh, you know, infiltrate his lies into our mind and which he hopes eventually, you know, make room, will make their way into our heart. This is what he's hoping for because he wants to disconnect us from God's presence. And once we're disconnected from God's presence, then we, we are actually walking away or drawing away from all that God has for us. So um, it's important for us to know that no matter what the situation God calls us to be strong in him. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Hallelujah. So we need to be strong in him and in the power of his might. Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verses 12 and 13, uh, I'm going to read that. Um, Hebrews 12, verses 12 and 13 is calling us. Uh, for God's people, he says, wherefore lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight path for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Amen. In essence, um, that's pretty much God's message to all his children to be strong. Uh, we see that, for example, going way back um, after Moses' death, when Joshua was uh, called to lead uh, the Israelites uh, into the promised land, God told him, this is God's instructions to Joshua. He says, be strong and very courageous, you know, which means that if we have to be strong, that we're going to have to deploy effort. It's going to take work. It's going to take uh, perseverance. It's going to take commitment. So it's not... Uh, you know, a walk in the park uh, that God is promising us. When, he, when God himself tells you, be strong and very courageous, it means that, you know, you're going to find, you're going to be confronted with challenges. So get ready, prepare yourself. Amen. Likewise, Jesus is telling us to do the same, you know, to be of good cheer in the midst of adversity, to know that our victory is not about the devil leaving us alone, but for us to know how to continue to hold fast to God's word in the face of opposition until the words manifest in our life. Hallelujah. Listen to what uh, Jesus says in John chapter 16 uh, and verse 33. Uh, Jesus is speaking and he says, these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. 
In the world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. So again, as I mentioned earlier, we should never analyze things without factoring God. Amen. Without factoring his love, uh, his promises that he's given us, his word concerning us. Amen. We must be uh, about thinking, um, meditating, uh, talking about what God is doing, not what the enemy is doing. So we are not here to focus on outside circumstances or situations. We are here to be um, uh, focusing on the word of God. Amen. Um, And we must not reason without the word. Therefore, our attention is on the good news, because this is what the word of God is. It's good news. That is what gospel is. Um, And actually, in Romans chapter 1 and verse 17, we are told that the gospel, which is the good news, is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. So it is God's power unto what the English word salvation is, is actually the Hebrew word um, shalom, which speaks of a place where there is nothing missing, a place where there is nothing broken, nothing out of order. It is a place of wholeness. So the gospel of of Christ, amen, is the power of God unto this place called shalom. Praise God. So we, we can understand now that having Jesus having spoken to these two disciples on the way to Emmaus, that's why I use the word comforted. Jesus comforted them. He ministered to them. Amen. Um, and they ended up saying, um, you know, that their hearts were burning inside of them as Jesus spoke, as he shared the, the word with them. Amen. Um, so, you know, with God, our hearts are set on fire. And um, this is what the word is able to do, to remove us from, you know, focusing on whatever the enemy is doing or whatever is happening here in the world and focusing on God, who is the greater one that is in us. Hallelujah. And so we don't need what the lesser one has to say. We need to be focused on what the greater one has to say. And the disciples make that comment in verse 32. Uh, Luke 24, 32, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures. So it was the opening of the scripture, the revealing of the scriptures to them that caused their heart to burn like this. And notice that Jesus is not ever the, you know, the God who wants to punish his people. Amen. God is love and he does uh, judge because he has to. Amen. He does bring judgment, but not because this is his plan or that he wants to. And so uh, the Bible tells us that when we were yet in sin, Christ died for us. So if God wanted to deal with us as his enemies and judge us, he would not, Jesus would not have even have come. So um, Jesus is so loving that even in approaching these men's men there, and um, 
he did reprimand them and for being foolish and for being slow to believe. But notice that he immediately, he continued. And the Bible tells us the very next verse after he told them that, which is uh, Luke 24, 20, verse 27, he says, and beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Amen. So in all, notice the word all, all the scriptures, Jesus, Jesus revealed himself to these disciples. This means that he went through the Old Testament, amen, and he started with uh, the five books of the Bible, uh, which were penned by Moses, that, you know, is referred to as the Pentateuch, amen, and he went on to include the minor prophets, the major prophets, and he explained to them, to the disciples, all things concerning himself in all the books of the Old Testament. So, that was a lot of revelation being poured out to these two disciples. Hallelujah. And uh, the Lord teaching about his own person. And actually, if we go back to um, Luke 24 and we skip to verse, verses 44 and verse 45, this is what we see. Uh, it says that Jesus later appeared to the disciples and revealed to them about the messianic prophecies in the law of Moses, the prophets, and Psalms. And this is what he said. Um, and he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then open he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Amen. So this tells us that the whole Bible really is a revelation of Jesus. In the Old Testament, he is concealed. In the New Testament, he is fully revealed. Hallelujah. Uh, there are no insignificant details in the Bible and everything in it. Uh, points to Jesus. And so the Bible is what you would call the unveiling of Jesus. Jesus showed the disciples beginning in the very beginning of the Bible in the book of Genesis, that he was the seed that was promised in the garden of Eden who would crush Satan's head. And uh, he would also have shared with the disciples about um, the five Levitical offerings, um, which depicted his one perfect work on the cross. He would have also shared about the high priest and how even the high priest garments spoke of himself, Jesus, as our perfect representative before God. He would even have revealed uh, the typologies embedded in um, in the Old Testament stories, for example, um, he would have explained how he was typified in Joseph's character, uh, Joseph who was rejected by his own Jewish uh, brothers. Uh, Jesus would also have shared such thing as, you know, that he himself, Jesus, would become the bread of life to the gentle world. Amen. And so much more revelation that flowed that day. It was a power pack 
presentation that he gave them, which I, you know, it's really wonderful that you wonder, you know, if I could have just been there and listened to all of that from the Lord himself. But praise God, the Holy Spirit is given to us. Amen. So that we don't have to wish that we were living in the days of Jesus or that he would appear to us because his will and his way is for us to see him in his word. That is to see him in the scriptures. And so um, the Lord did not immediately reveal who he was to the disciples on the road to Emmaus because I believe he wanted them to hear the scriptures because he could have walked up to them and say, don't you recognize me? Take a good look. Look at me in the eyes. See who I am. You know, and through the words, you know, and, and, and his mannerism, they could have probably figured out that this is Jesus, you know, who's appearing somewhat differently because he's now resurrected. But no, Jesus wanted them to hear the scriptures first. He didn't want them to have faith in him simply because they saw him physically, but because they had heard the scriptures talking about him and they saw him, if I can say, with their heart, amen, with their spiritual eyes. And this is how also Jesus showed us to study the Bible, that it's not about reading to find out, you know, the do's and don'ts. Uh, when we study the Bible, we have to see him and all the things in the word concerning him. Um, when the person of Jesus comes forth, uh, in the word of God, um, the Bible study becomes alive. Uh, our study becomes exciting. Amen. Uh, it is no longer dry. It is not just academic. Um, and the solution that he's giving us, uh, and I would venture to say, if we all don't walk that path, that we, would we will be and remain foolish and slow of heart to believe. Uh, but the solution that Jesus gives us is to study his word so that we can see more of him. And notice that, again, once we see more of him, our heart, just like the disciples' heart, would burn within us. Amen. Uh, as the Holy Spirit opens up the scriptures to us. And uh, the disciples saw what they had not seen before. And what happened is that joy rose up in their heart. Um, so we, we see what they saw. The, the word, you know, explains to us what they saw. But as we think about our own lives, the question that we have to, you know, ask ourselves is, what do we see ourselves? Amen. Um, Jesus' death was not for himself. He came to die for us. Amen. Can we see that? Can we understand the full implication of that. And so the disciples, after listening to Jesus as their heart were burning, they were understanding things and were, you know, seeing things for the first time that they had not seen before. And we too must come to that place where we finally understand what the cross is all about. And because of the cross, who we have become in Christ, how we are connected to all of this. Jesus knew that he would go from death to life so that he would take us, uh, you and me, also from death to life. So he went from death to life so he could bring us from death to life. Amen. Um, 
in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2. Let's go ahead and turn there. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. We are told, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Amen. What is this referring to? Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him. What was thy joy? The joy was you and I. It was the church. He saw us and rejoiced. The Bible says, because of the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Amen. He saw the victory of the cross for us. Amen. And so if we truly are able to see this, to see him in all of this, we will understand that no matter what situation we face, that we must know that Jesus has come to take us from death to life. This is what it's all about, that Jesus has triumphed over death. Hallelujah. He has come to give us life and life in abundance. Listen to Jesus's own words. I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 1 and verse 18, and then I will go uh, to the gospel of Matthew uh, in chapter 16. But let me read from Revelation 1, 18 first. And this is Jesus speaking. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Hallelujah. So Jesus has the keys of hell and death. Now listen to what he says. Jesus again in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever, whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Hallelujah. So what happened? Jesus has the keys got the keys, but we are told here that Jesus gave us the keys. He says, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And the keys, we have them to bind and to loose. Amen. We have the keys because we have received them from Jesus. So we have to remember that there is joy ahead when we consider Jesus. He must always be factored into everything concerning our life. We are called, actually, the Bible tells us to consider Jesus. Don't consider what's going on around you. Don't consider the world. Consider Jesus. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 1 says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Amen. So because we are partakers of a heavenly calling, we must be thinking right. We must have the right thoughts in our heart and mind and be considering that calling that we have. And the only way we can keep our mind on that heavenly calling is to keep the word of God before us and consider Jesus. Amen. Just think of it. Right now, Jesus is our high priest. Amen. The Bible tells us that he is seated at the right hand of the Father, continually making intercession for us to save us to the uttermost. Amen. That's stated in Hebrews 7, verses 22 and 25. I'm sorry, 24 and 25. 
telling us that Jesus has an unchangeable priesthood, one that continues forever, and that he is uh, praying for us, interceding for us to save us to the utmost. Why is he doing that? Because he's safeguarding all the blessing that he purchased himself on the cross for us. Amen. And he wants us to be saved to the utmost and to leave nothing behind for the enemy, to, to take hold of all of our inheritance. So when there is a need in our life, we must look at the joy that is ahead and not the problem. Jesus came that our joy may be full. Amen. You know, in, um, in the book of Romans, chapter 15 and verse 13, God is called the God of hope. And what does he do? He fills us with all peace and joy. Amen. Let me read that passage, Romans 15, 13. Now, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. So God wants us to abound in hope, to believe, to hold on to our faith. Amen. Uh, our faith is what overcomes the world. Uh, and abound in hope. And as we are doing that, he fills us with joy and with peace. And he is able to keep us as we keep our eyes on him because he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. So if we let go of him, we have nothing left. We become empty and the enemy then is quick to you know, march in and occupy this territory that we are giving him because this is what he wants. Once he can control our thoughts, he can control our life, our future and everything that concerns us. So we need communication that will build and encourage us. We must be about seeing the possibilities of what God not only can do, but what he will do. Amen. Um, notice that the disciples, as they, these two disciples, that their heart burned within them and they became full of joy. And as that happened, so other things also were happening. Uh, for example, to their physical bodies. I, I was considering this, just how renewed they must have been in their body. What the, when, the, you know, when the Bible tells us that the word is medicine to our flesh, well, we may not even be sometimes quoting healing scriptures, but the word himself is pouring into us what we need. Notice that these men, they had walked from, um, you know, Emmaus to Jerusalem that day, and then back again to Emmaus. And we had uh, seen, they gave us the distance, which when we see uh, in comparison to what that represents in, to, you know, the way we, we uh, measure distance, at least in our world right now, uh, we have miles and we have kilometers, um, most places, and so we find that these two points, Jerusalem from Emmaus is about seven miles. So they did that about twice already that day, uh, 14 miles. They didn't have a car. Uh, they were not even riding horses. They were walking. Um, and not only that, they went to Jerusalem to take care of activities. And so they were walking again all day long, taking care of their business. And then they went back home. So they had walked a lot. And we find that in verse 33, 
when it dawned on them that this was Jesus and how their heart was burning inside of them. The Bible tells us in verse 33 that they rose up the same hour and they returned to Jerusalem to find the 11 others that were gathered together and all those that were with them. Amen. So supernaturally, they became full of vigor and vitality. The word had become medicine to their flesh. Amen. Remember uh, the, our last, last two studies where we focused on, again, paying attention and attending to the word. And our base scripture was from Proverbs chapter 4, verses 20 to 23. Well, let me go ahead and read that um, quickly before we close this message. Um, Proverbs 4, 20 to 23. My son, attend to my words. Incline thy ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Amen. Well, we can see that it is God's will for us that as we attend to the word, to his word, in study, in meditation, in prayer, in practice, that all the issues of our lives are being worked out. Amen. Um, Verse 22, as we just saw here, we see that the words of God are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Amen. Um, So there are medicinal qualities and healing virtues in seeing Jesus in the scriptures. Amen. And um, as we do that, uh, we remain in the word, the divine uh, resurrection life. In other words, the life of the resurrected Christ is imparted to us. When we feast at God's redemption table that he has prepared before us, as we saw again in our last study in Psalm 23, and verse five that tells us, thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. We saw that when we partake, amen, of what God has, amen, given us, that is his word, amen, uh, that we partake of the victory that is ours because this table that he has prepared before us is the place where we find his healing power, his peace, his joy. We find help, we find answers, uh, wisdom and knowledge. They are all on the table that is before us. Hallelujah, praise God. And so, um, you know, the Lord reassures us over and over in his word. For example, Romans chapter eight and verse 11 tells us that the spirit Uh, Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, who is dwelling in us, that he is also, as he raised Christ from the dead, he is also quickening our mortal bodies as he dwells in us. Amen. So truly, the answer is in allowing ourselves to remain in the word until we can see Jesus. We can... we can become one with him, one with the word, hallelujah, so that all the benefits of the word 
can just uh, be transferred to us. Amen. You know, the, the, um, the first messianic prophecy is found in Genesis 3.15. Uh, and there, God told the serpent that he would bruise, uh, he would bruise his, the heel of the seed of the woman, okay? So the serpent would bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, and that was in reference to Jesus. That was the seed of the woman. However, the seed, the same seed would crush his head. This is what Genesis 3.15 is all about. And so... Uh, we, we find out that the enemy is not as smart as we give him credit. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 explains that, um, you know, there is this hidden wisdom that God has hidden, ordained from the um, foundation of the world. Um, but that, that, that uh, wisdom is for our glory. And he goes on to say in verse Eight of First Corinthians chapter two, he says, "Which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory." Amen. So we see here that the bruising of Jesus' heel, who is the seed of the woman, was speaking of the crucifixion, and it's the very thing that set us free. And if Satan, we are told here, had caught a glimpse of that revelation, that he would not have crucified Jesus. But you see, it's too late. He's already done it. Hallelujah. So he has lost. Satan has lost on every end. And Jesus was released from the effect of that bruise and was raised with a glorious body. The same spirit who quickened Jesus from the dead, hallelujah, is now dwelling in us. So the same heel that bruised, uh, that was bruised is the one that crushed Satan. And this is why when we go through fire, we should not be afraid of being burned. We have to look at it as a stepping stone to higher ground. Amen. And even as we go through the fire, God will be with us. And he promises that we will come out with our clothes, not even smelling like fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there are a couple of uh, verses here that I want to go over before we close. Um, I'm, we're going to look at John chapter 12, uh, verses 31 to 33. And this is Jesus speaking. And he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This, he said, signifying what death he should die. Notice that Jesus is speaking about um, you know, the, the, his coming, his crucifixion. Amen. Um, and we have to see that he is also indicating to us that when this happened, the cross would be a turning point for the whole world. Uh, the word judgment, uh, when he said now is the judgment of this world, uh, the word judgment is the Greek word crisis, K-R-I-S-I-S which from where we get our English word crisis, C-R-I-S-I-S, and it also means change. So what Jesus in essence was saying here is that the cross, when, when that happened, that there would be a change, there would be a transfer of authority, of the keys of authority over the earth. 
Amen. From the devil to Jesus. Satan had stolen from Adam the dominion over the earth, the keys of authority. And Jesus now is taking them back. And it's also um, indicating, he says, and if I be lifted up from the earth, meaning if I'm crucified, I will draw all men men unto me. So Jesus is explaining that when this happens, hallelujah, when this crucifixion happens, this is the time when he will, something will change and will enable him now to draw men unto him. Men that had been disconnected from him are now able to be reconnected, hallelujah, to the father. And so um, let me go ahead and look at John um, again. um, Yes, same book, book of John chapter three and verse 15. And this is Jesus speaking again. And he said, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up. So this is a fulfillment of um, what was written in Numbers 21 verse 19, uh, foreshadowing the coming and lifting up, that is the crucifixion of Jesus. Hallelujah. So this is where Jesus now, he takes it from there and he speaks it out in John chapter three and verse 14. But now going back to where we were in John chapter 12, where he said, and if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This refers to the lifting up of mankind. Amen. Being reconciled, first of all, to the father as a result of the cross and men, mankind, I mean, those at least who receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, hallelujah, are being lifted up. And this means for the born again believer that we are not down, but that we are up. And I, and what happened that day is that the disciples, they got it. They finally got it. And their heart was filled with joy. Uh, their heart was burning inside of them. And this is what happened when we also see Jesus, um, the revealed Jesus in the scripture. When we see him, our hearts also will be filled with uh, not just the fire, but the divine enablement, if you can call it as such, to overcome the enemy and also to be used by God uh, to bless humanity. Yes, it's one thing to know about God, but it's quite another to know him. Just knowing about God is truly is deception because it's not going to do anything for you. Uh, Just give you a sense of what, if you can call it religiosity, but there is no salvation. There are no true blessing. There is no transformation. There is no inheritance. The ultimate that God has for us is to experience him. And we cannot experience him without seeing Jesus. So what we are speaking about today is this personal knowing of our Lord Jesus Christ, seeing him, experiencing him in the very deep recesses of our heart, in our everyday life, in, at every moment and in every situation, and quietly and confidently being able to say 
like the apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. He said this, he says, I know whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this is a calling to us today to press on to see Jesus. And it's really not an option because he is our peace. He is our joy. He is our hope. He is our life. And our prayer today is for him, Jesus, to reveal himself to us. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word today to us, O Lord. And as the Apostle Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus, so we pray that same prayer over our lives today, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Lord, who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Hallelujah. Father, may we see Jesus. Lord, we thank you that from you comes every supply, every provision. Lord Jesus, you are the bread of life and only you satisfy. And as we look away from the things of this world, from the troubles, the pains, the sicknesses, and everything else that you have not planted in our lives, Lord, we turn away from them. We look away and we choose to look at you, O Lord, our Lord, our Savior, and our soon coming King. And we thank you, Lord, for the life that you give us. And because of your faithfulness, Lord, we thank you that you always deliver us. You always save us, O Lord. You always undertake for us. And because of this, we can declare that we will experience of the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we will declare all the great things that the Lord has done for us. Lord, we praise you. We worship you. We give you all the glory, all the honor that is due to you and to you alone in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, I praise God for his word to us tonight. I pray that it has been a blessing to you. And I invite you to join us again next week at the same time. God bless you and have a good night.